Chapter 12, Miles to Go This clutch of stories consists of little vignettes of my life that touch upon moments and people, time and places that have left a deep impact upon me. Needless to say, when one begins to remember and recount such moments from one's life, and if it has been as full and busy as mine, there are hundreds more that can be told. In my mind, my years as the scientific adviser to the government of India when India conducted its second nuclear test, my retirement and dedication to teaching thereafter and my years as the President of India, all hold stories of innumerable challenges and learning. As I stepped further and further into the glare of the media with the launch of Agni and subsequent events, I had to draw from the lessons I learned early in life to deal with all sorts of decisions and conundrums. My priorities and aims also underwent subtle changes. Whereas earlier I was involved more with implementing and doing, now I entered a more reflective period when I spent time thinking, writing and talking with people from all walks of life. As the years went by, I found that my great interest now lay in interacting more and more with the youth of the country. I went on to write a number of books which were successful, perhaps because the readers recognized them to be mission statements of a man who saw a certain vision of India for the year 2020, and who was trying to work on the vision and articulate it to the country at the same time. My work on my books, India 2020, Wings of Fire, Ignited Minds and others have been deeply satisfying for the great enthusiasm with which they were received by the reading public of the country. While I expressed my vision and dream for the country through my lectures, interactions, articles and books, I also became interested in many other areas of technology. I had the unique experience in the 1990s of helping to formulate the Indivision 2020 strategies. I was given the task of chairing the Technology Information, Forecasting and Assessment Council, TIFAC. In the first meeting of the council itself we took a decision that TIFAC must evolve a plan on how India can be transformed into an economically developed nation by the year 2020. At a time when the economy was growing at around 5-6% to per annum in GDP, we had to envisage a growth rate of at least 10% per annum consistently for over 10 years if the development vision of a billion people was to be fulfilled. This task really ignited the minds of all of us in the council. We debated and arrived at 17 task teams with over 500 members, who had consultations with over 5,000 people in various sectors of the economy. Committees worked for over two years, resulting in 25 reports that we presented to the then Prime Minister of India on 2 August 1996. This is an excellent example of how different departments and organizations worked in an integrated way for national development. While our work at TFAC was progressing, I also studied what was being done in the fields of agriculture and information technology with a lot of interest, and that became an abiding passion for me. As I traveled all over the country meeting students and teachers, administrators and officials, I understood that working on a vision was only the first part of my work. Only when one can express the mission, explain it and debate about it does the vision acquire life. I decided to do just that by talking to people wherever I went, about the need to make India a knowledge-based society, a country where technology brings empowerment, yet at the same time we continue to acknowledge and develop our spiritual dimensions. My term as the President of India, from 2002 to 2007, I now look back on as one long lesson in understanding the wonder that is India. The media gave me the name People's President, 
which was picked up by many across the country. And I must say I was happy to be referred to as such. When I started my tenure, I was very sure that I intended to spend as much time as possible touring this endlessly complex and fascinating country that is ours. I wanted to see how people lived in different parts, the environment that formed their lives, what their problems are and how these were being solved, or were they being solved at all. It was said that as president of the country, I toured it more than perhaps any other before me. From the slopes of Siachen to the beautiful northeastern states, from the far western regions of the country to the deep south, I went almost everywhere except Lakshwadeep, which will remain a regret. I traveled by road, by air and even by rail on three occasions, when the old presidential railway carriage was refurbished and upgraded with modern facilities like satellite mapping, and I have to say I saw the country from all kinds of angles, for which I will be eternally grateful. What did I learn from the hundreds, no, millions of men, women and children that I met in these years? I learned that as a society we are trained to not question the status quo. It requires a lot of coaxing and encouragement to make even the young people I met in schools to open up and ask their questions. At the same time, this does not mean that the questions are not there. They are waiting, bubbling at the surface. Once the gates are opened, the dams burst forth with eagerness and inquisitiveness. I have been asked questions on science, technology, space, the arts and I have been asked questions on why I have remained a bachelor and why I wear my hair the way I do. To each question I tried to give an answer, one that was well thought out, sincere and as detailed as possible. I also told them that I myself am still very much a seeker. I came to them as much to speak and debate as to seek the answers that I was looking for myself. I understood then what it means to be an Indian, what it means to be a man or a woman in this country, how each one of us shapes the society while we each live our lives, and what can one do with this understanding. The years of my presidency also had its share of political upheavals, which I have written about in my last book, Turning Points. As the constitutional head of the country, I became intricately involved in the democratic process. The way parliament and other institutions functioned, and how the president can bring about changes in the areas of his influence were thoughts that preoccupied a lot of my time. After my term as president was over, I happily returned to my earlier life of teaching and lecturing that took me all over the country and abroad. If possible, I was perhaps as busy, if not more, as I worked tirelessly to push my favorite projects, India 2020 and providing urban amenities in rural areas, PURA. I have continued to meet students, pursued research in universities in India and abroad, and contributed my views on national issues. I visit remote areas in order to talk to students there and give them a larger vision for their future. They often question me on many things, from what subjects they should study in the higher classes to infrastructural issues in their towns and districts. This book, however, is not meant to be a linear account of my life. I have done that earlier. This little book is like a resting place on a long and winding road. It is that spot you spy on the highway where you weed away from the onrushing traffic to stop and watch the rest of the world pass by while you mull over the journey you have taken so far. It is perhaps a little stop on the train that I took from Madras to Dehradun once upon a time, when I saw the country from the southern tip to the northern reaches for the first time. This time, however, my eyes are not focused on the destination alone. 
I can turn back and wonder at the magical beginning of life, I can see my father walking home with his coconuts, his mind alight with prayer, I can follow the movements of my mother's hands as she prepares the chutneys and sambar and rice for the day for us and as she beckons me to come sit by her on the kitchen floor, I can close my eyes and hear the roar of waves and the crashing of the wind against the trees as the cyclones strike Rameshwaram. I can still feel the tiredness in my legs and arms after a day that began and ended with delivering newspapers and then collecting the money for them. I can also hear voices and words as clearly as though they were spoken yesterday. I can hear my father tell me, I know you have to go away to grow. Does the seagull not fly across the sun, alone and without a nest? You must forego your longing for the land of your memories to move into the dwelling place of your greater desires. Our love will not bind you, nor will our needs hold you. At this restful spot I can stop and wait for my co-travellers to walk by me one more time. From Pukshi Lukshmanar Shastrigal, Reverend Yadra E. Solomon, Ahmad Jalaluddin to Dr. Vikram Saurabhai, Professor Satish Thawan and Drive Prakash, I think of many others like them who deeply influenced me, moulded and shaped my thoughts and intellect. While telling their stories, their presence has become more deeply felt than ever before for me. The germination of thoughts planted in my soul by these people has continued years after they left my side. When I have shared these with you, my reader, I hope some seeds have been planted in your minds too, the way they once came to me. This transfer of thoughts and ideas, ideals and principles is a part of the circle that is life. Hard work and piety, study and learning compassion and forgiveness, these have been the cornerstones of my life. I have now shared with the world the roots of these features. In fact, any life that has been lived to the full, when talked about with others, is a treasure house of thoughts and feelings that add luster to the wonder that is life. In the process, if they also give my readers wings and help them to fire their dreams, I believe I would have played my small part in the scheme of life that destiny placed me in.